Beyond Beauty, the Professional Beauty Association's podcast where we take a deeper look into the minds and the hearts of the amazing professionals who make up this professional beauty industry. I am your host, Leslie Perry, and with me today is the incredible Lexi Lomax. We were just chatting, and I cannot wait to get into more detail about her path in the industry. She is a business, beauty business expert, an educator, salon owner, and maybe we'll get into this, a serial entrepreneur, even outside of beauty, which is like, since you were like 16, you've had this like family pull desire to, I mean, to start businesses and get super successful. So I cannot wait to get into more details with you and share some of that with our audience. Well, thank you, Leslie. Yeah, serial entrepreneur is probably putting it lightly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and from such a young age, I mean, I think the, the very first time I met you when we talked about that, I was just in awe of how at a young age, as a teenager, you were running businesses, like legit businesses. Where does where did that come from that like you thought you could do this and it was just a normal part of life and it has trans like it's helped I think probably guide you in beauty as well. For sure. So, I mean, honestly, like it's just what we did in my family. And I, I mean, my gr grandparents on both sides, entrepreneurs, my parents, entrepreneurs, and you're looking at me. Right. And, and my husband also, which is so funny, like his family is also entrepreneurial and both sides of his grandparents. It's really funny. Like it just, I think there's something in our brains that is just a little bit off, but it's <laughs> right. Like it's a, it's a gift. Um, but so I just grew up that that's like when you wanted to make money, like you figured out how to do it. Like, I don't, I don't, I, it, it wasn't like, like getting a job was never on the radar. Like when I honestly, Leslie, I wanted to get a job when I was, I guess I was 15 and a half, like as soon as you could legally work. And I was like, Hey, I want to work at the gap. And I, because my girlfriends worked at the gap and I was like, that's fun. And like, they get paid, you know, like everyone <laughs> when you're 15 and my, my parents were like, no, they told me no. And I'm like, um, no, I, I'm sorry. Like kids don't like what? <laughs> like, I'm like some kids, they, they, people, I can hear people complain. They want their kids to get a job. Right. right. And my parents were like, no, like you don't need to get a job. Like, no. I'm like, what the heck? They were like, well, you can work in our business. But I already was like, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to like file paperwork and go to the county and like do the stuff. And I didn't want to do what we did. I already knew about that. Like I had been working in our family business, literally probably since birth. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so, but I wanted to work at the gap. And so my parents eventually, I don't know what, I don't remember, but I work, I, I did work at the gap and like, literally my mom had to drive me there, which I'm sure like galled her in the process. Um, because I didn't drive yet. And the minute I turned 16, that was great. But I went to work at the Gap and I was like, this is not the jam. <laughs> like this. And I worked at Christmas. Oh, yeah. And I literally still hear the songs like on in the salon on, at Christmas time, like the specific ones. And I like, I can't undo those memories. <laughs> right. And it, it was so like the people were horrible. The customers were awful. The, the, the management was terrible. Like I, th people napped in their shift. They would go hide in the, like the windows, like at the gap, like at this one specifically, like had like a door behind, like it was white. And then like, you know, and you could, there was like a little, like probably two foot by like eight feet thing. And then people go hide in nap during their shift. Like I, it was so good for me to see that, but I was like, okay, wait, 
now I get why my parents didn't want me to have this job. Like jobs are not cool. Like, you know, like, but of course a job is wonderful. Right. And, and now I, and I've had multiple jobs and different bosses and all of those things, but I, I really truly like am entrepreneur through and through. And so the thing that really didn't work for me was that like, I had to do what they said, right? Like show up on time, these sort of things. It was really (laughs) good to have that structure because I don't like it <laughs> um, and I don't thrive in it, but it taught me a lot of things about responsibility, you know, but all the good stuff. Um, but I was like really bothered by the fact that like, I couldn't make more money. Like and I had to work like extra, extra, extra hard to like get those hours. Like I had to fold the shirt like better than the other girl like that. Just like, you know, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me from the, from the wild West that I grew up in where like my dad had ideas over here and my mom did this and that. And like, and by no means were like, you know, it was all sorts of different levels of income in my household. Like it wasn't just always super successful. The success was very high, but there were also lows, right? Like, so I really rode the wave of entrepreneurialism in my household. And when I say it was a wild West, like for real, my dad, at my parents had businesses like there's literally the only thing they didn't do was food, but like, like a restaurant, but we definitely had a vineyard and a winery and a wine business. Like, and, and that I also was a part of in my young adult life. Like while I've had the salon, we, we, you know, that was still going. So like literally I've done it all. And all of those things like brought me to like, I just want to be my own boss like all of those experiences and uh, good and bad. Right. But I thought like, this is where it's at. Like I really, uh, this works for me now for other people that obviously doesn't work, you know, and there's nothing like my husband has a job now, you know, and it is wonderful. And we are so grateful for it. And there are parts of that that seem really good some days, like, there is, you know, where I'm like, Seeming stability. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, I'd be so good at customer service. <laughs> You want beauty, having the entrepreneurial spirit, and it really does fit well in beauty. But for you, why beauty? So for me, I, I just always, I loved fashion, like right off the bat. And I spent a lot of time with my mom in the salon and my grandma in Arizona owned a salon. She retired and then she, her, her business was, um, a farm store, like a, like a tractor supply, I guess would be like the closest thing now. Um, but like parts for- side, not to interrupt, but I haven't met many people that have that combination because my mom is a hairstylist and owned a salon and my dad's a farmer. And I always thought that was such an interesting combination, both entrepreneurs as well, but it works. Apparently grandma had the farm supply and a salon. So yes, and she did. So when she sold the store, my grandparents retired, my grandfather had a job. Um, and he still worked a little bit. I don't know. And she was like, what can I do? Whatever. And she's literally, my grandma is, um, one of those women that goes on Tuesdays and Fridays and has a like five double N helmet <laughs> that is like shellacked to her head with, um, she, I buy yes. her hair a case at a time. Not yes. I buy her a case. I, I can appreciate that kind of hair. <laughs> it's really something else. Um, shout out to Yancey, who is her hairstylist, who has gotten her off of a roller set and does it with a flat iron. And granny thinks that's great. <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> she loved the salon. She was in the salon. She bought, then she had the salon and the salon was, uh, and this is all when I'm like eight, nine, 10, 11 kind of going on. And so, um, and family is really important to our family. So we spent a lot of time like visiting and, and being all together. And then my mom got her hair done like all the time. She wears a short little bob kind of thing. And so I spent a lot of time in the salon. And, and I was like, I love this. And then growing up, I was just into it. And it was one of those things, like, I just kind of ha- like had it, you know, like that. I think a lot of us in, in the industry, like we're, we're, we kind of, you just get it and it comes easier to you, like styling your girlfriend's hair or like doing some makeup and stuff like that. And so, um, when I started college, I did makeup on the side. Like I didn't have a license. I didn't do whatever, but I would do like hair and makeup for like prom girls or, you know, like nothing like real serious, but, and that was kind of my first step. And then when I finished call or when I was in college, I had an opportunity from my family and our family business to buy a building and have a business, but it needed to pay for itself. Like it needed to be a business that I could still finish college. And like, there were things like, and it was like, okay, well, can't, can I, I was like, dad, can it be a salon? Like I want it to be a salon. And when I was in high school, I will say that I wanted all my girlfriends, like I wanted none of us to go to college and I wanted all of us to go to beauty school. This is like my wild dream <laughs> at 17. Um, and I wanted to have like a big bus that we would take around and do hair. That was like how I thought life should go. Like, I don't know. Ridiculous. Don't <laughs> but, go that way, honestly. <laughs> they could, right. And, and now can I tell you, they all wish they went to beauty school. <laughs> um, but so then as long story, like I'm going to get short, but ultimately the salon model, when I brought it to my dad, like I had to do all the business plan. He was like, yeah, figure it out, bring it back to me. Let's look. So I did all of that. I brought it back and he's like, I think this might work. And then from that moment forward, he tried to talk me out of it. <laughs> he's like, you're not going to want to deal with people. Like you don't want a business that you have to be there to make money. Like you don't want these things, like all of this stuff you try. It was like, are you sure? Like every time we put more money in like to do it, he's like, are you sure? It's not too late. It's not too late. So the whole time he's like trying to talk me out of it. I'm like, no, I'm in, I'm in. I love this. Like I'm just here. And I just, I think I just knew, I guess. And here I am 17 years later from the day that we opened the salon this year. And I love it that you were just talking about like your dad even having the foresight to know like those are still the same struggles that a lot of salon owners still face today what advice do you have i mean as someone who as an expert who helps coach them through these processes or how to set that up as a successful salon owner what what can that even look like (laughs) well the first thing that i with anybody that i work with or even any conversation that i have with somebody that like wants to talk about business i'm like okay what's the point Like, what is the point? What is the main, like, you know, we need to know what the point of your business is. And it it seems like kind of a a silly question, but it's not always to make money. It's not always like, sometimes there's bigger things at play. Sometimes we've got to get to retire. Like your, your point can change through your business, right? So there are various things, but that's, we need to know what you want. What do you want out of this? Because if we are building a business, because I can help anybody make more money, like for sure, I can do that. Like with my eyes closed, that's like, I'm just, that's fun for me, (laughs) but it doesn't always feel good to other people to, to do what I think will work, you know? So we have to, I want to show up and help people feel good in their business before we do anything else. So I have to know what the point is. And then from there, I'm like, how can we simplify this? 
how can it become even more simple? Simplify, simplify, simplify. Like we have to bring it down and keep systems in place that are so easy peasy that they can then do business with their eyes closed so that they can live their life and have some freaking fun because this business and the industry is so powerful and so huge that literally nothing is off limits in my opinion. But you have to allow business to be business. And I think that's where things get a little bit muddy because we get a little emotional because we're human. Um, Clients are our friends sometimes or become become part of your life in a way that makes it harder to draw a line with business. Yeah, Right. And your staff, all of those are so relational, right? Like the thing that I always think about and and it's not good or bad, but the only other people that have this sort of like intimacy in, in other people's lives where you get paid for it is a doctor. doctor, The relationship is usually not two ways. Like we know our doctor's name. Like we think they're like smart, great, helpful, kind, whatever. And they don't know who we are. Like really, you know, like I don't think they do. They're too busy. So for us, we give that other half of that relationship. And so it's, it's weird. It's very unique and it needs to have a lot of structure in order to be able to scale, grow, sustain, and to keep it happy. I think really. How did you get to this point of you've had your salon, you're an owner, you are a stylist, you do hair, you work behind the chair to now being the one stepping back and saying, wow, I need to, I want to help other people. Like, where did that come from? And how do you, I know a lot of people in the industry do wonder what's next for me. Could I do that? Do I have anything worth sharing? How do you find that confidence? Yeah. Well, I think everybody has something worth sharing. And even if you help one person, that's making a difference. So like, you don't have to be an Instagram educator to make a difference in somebody's life. Like you can, you can do this right in your own salons. You can do this in your own communities. Like it doesn't have to be anything unless you want it to be that, you know? Um, but for me, it happened. I, this is not really an accident because I don't believe in accidents, but it was definitely not as intentional originally as I thought. So I went to college. I went, I went to UCSD to, and I was going to be a teacher. I thought, okay, cool. I'll be a teacher. I'll be a teacher. I'll own the salon. I'll do this. To, you know, it'll make sense. And, and that I don't want to be a teacher. Let's be real. Um, but you are. <laughs> but I am. Right. But I had that in me. Like I wanted to, I want to pour into people. And so I, I started working and I was an educator and I traveled the country and I did all kinds of cool stuff teaching hair. I taught styling and cutting. And then I would come home from the salon and then everybody wanted to know like what I taught. And so then I'm like showing everybody in the salon. Then I started a little assistant program in my own salon to facilitate my own needs. And then other salon owners are like, can you help me with this? How are you doing that? How are you doing this? How are you doing that? And I was like, I'm freaking tired. Like, (laughs) I'm so tired. So I just started recording my stuff. I just started recording it for my own assistance. I started recording it so I could send it to that salon owner who was my friend from the internet or that I met in Texas or that I met in New York or wherever they were when I was traveling. And I was helping people way outside of what I was supposed to be doing under my contract for real. I was doing stuff that was definitely off book. (laughs) And I was just like, well, look, well, now I've recorded it. And it wasn't perfect. Let's be real. It was just like saving me time because I'm really all about like, I'm really all about Lexi. 
And that's like something that I think a lot of people forget to do is to put yourself on your to-do list. And so for me, I'm like, well, I want to help those people, but not at the cost of my own like happiness. And so then more and more people were like, well, hey, can you send me that video? And then I was like, okay, wait, um, there's something here. Like I need to structure this and really help people. And the thing that happened from those organic videos was I was talking to like that person and then they would share it. And then they were like, well, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, well, yeah, because we didn't have a conversation. <laughs> and so I needed to make it more broad and more specific in other ways so that it could help people. And so I just started with um, a, a little mastermind and I, you know, it was six people and we, and then I would have another group and we would do six months together. And from there, now I am, you know, thousands of people later and it's, honestly the greatest gift. Um, but it, it just happened because people were asking for it. And I think that's something that in business, like you got to listen, right? Like as a salon owner, what are, what's your staff like looking for? What are, what are they looking for? And what are your clients asking you behind the chair? Like, what are you, what's that thing that you get asked over and over and over again? Because I think that there's a gift in there. You just have to find it. And so the confidence came for me via proof, I guess. And I didn't take it too seriously. I wasn't like, I'm going to be an Instagram coach. I don't even exist then. Like, I just was like, I'm here to help people. And I think when you come from a heart-centered place, regardless of what you're doing in our industry and life, you're going to see things unfold in a way that will support you and give back to you as well. What keeps you inspired and keeps you going? 17 years in the industry. That's a lot of years, especially in this industry. For real, especially. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. it's not even possible. It's not possible. I think that all the time. I'm like, what just happened? I'm like, uh-huh. putting on yeah. some face cream this morning, <laughs> doing my thing. And I thought, I care. holy smokes. <laughs> you know, like, this has been a long I, time. I think, like, even working here at PBA, and, and we have this amazing team and a young team. And when did I not? I'm not the young one anymore. What happened? I'm telling you, Leslie, that is real. I literally, I, the other day, my current assistants who I love, 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 this is like just the real truth. They said something and I was like, what? Like, no, I can't do that like that here. And I'm like, oh, I am now, like I used to be the young person in my own salon and I'm now, I'm now the granny. Like it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And I had to have like a chat about it, but in order to, st- I mean, there were, there were times where I wanted to throw in the towel. Like I wanted to quit so bad. I hated the salon. I didn't care if I, I didn't care. Like I was like, take it, but I couldn't because I had a huge financial obligation <laughs> to the bank, which I still have part of because I've been paying on it for 17 years, but it's still pretty big. So I didn't have an out. And so I had to make it work. And I think that that's like what the difference is, is people just quit when, when they're, when it's easy. And I would have quit probably had, I would have quit and probably regretted it, but there were, I mean, I opened in 2007, things were amazing. I graduated college in 2008 and nine, 10 and 11 were brutal. I couldn't even get a job if I needed a recession around that time. Yeah. 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 So like at, as a new college grad, I was like, okay, well, I need to make some more money. Cause the salons, like, it's not where we were. Like when I was in college, I w- was making tons of money and was a little bit irresponsible. And so like, I didn't have a huge savings. And so when things hit the fan and I still own the, I like, I still owe the bank and I owe my parents. And I like, I mean, there's just, I was like, okay, I'm going to go get a job. Well, no, you couldn't. 
like, because I was a fresh college grad and everybody was losing their job. And so there were people who I was like, okay, um, okay. All right. Well, what am I going to do? And I buckled down and I figured it out. I, I call that like a defining moment. And, and that's really like, I'm just not going to quit on me. It ultimately what it comes down to, because I did all that hard work and, and I still find joy because I'm, I really focus on what makes me happy when I do it, you know? So I think that staying inspired comes pretty naturally to me because I'm always finding something new and exciting that keeps me happy within my industry and within my business specifically. And, and so growth comes natural when you stay excited. I think we're allowed to evolve and people don't, don't think that like they don't give themselves permission to evolve, but you're allowed to even within your business. And, and it will still work if you do things intentionally. And, um, and, and so, but you have to take care of you first, like self-care, whatever, like, I don't even, I don't, it doesn't matter what you do, but like, whatever you do, you need to do that. <laughs> for sure. And it's hard when we are the ones that might be the self-care for everyone else to remind ourselves to do that or to take the time when we yeah. feel like we don't have it. Yeah. Well, and, and, and so that's the thing is we don't have time. I don't have time. I, I mean, I really like, I don't have time. I have 25 women that work at my salon. I have a almost one-year-old baby. I have a husband. I have family. I have friends. Like I have hobbies. <laughs> you know? I don't have time. But what I really don't have time for is not doing it. Because then what happens? Then the whole thing falls apart. Then I can't lead well. I can't, if I can't self-lead, then I can't lead my team. And if I can't lead my team, then like, and this all comes down to like, the world, the sky will fall, right? Like you have, you have to choose you, but you have to make the stakes high enough that you care. Missing. Do you think in beauty today, in the industry today, do you see something that you're like, man, we're, I want to do this or oh we need to work on that? <laughs> How long do we have? No, <laughs> I, you know, I have, you're like, I want to do this. Yeah. I want to do so many things. Um, and and then I'm going to take a nap, right? Like that's what I <laughs> say. But I think in terms of beauty, like I really, I really love when I see people coming together and really supporting each other, not like BS, like fake stuff. I like to see people really doing it and like being supportive of one another and having relationships between different salons and, and it not being a thing because when I started, you know, 17 years ago, things were real different. Very different. And I was not a stylist. I wasn't licensed. I, oh, I missed that part of my story. So after I graduated college and I couldn't get a job, I was like, well, my dreams are coming true. I get to be a cosmologist and my parents are going to support it, <laughs> which was, you know, like not always the case. And so I, I think that it's, I had a terrible experience as a, as an outsider coming into the industry. Not terrible, but like, yeah, I guess it wasn't good. Like it was not good. And that was by other salon owners. I had sales reps. I had marketing people. I, I mean, you name it. Industry people were treated me with less than the appropriate amount of respect. I think still sort of exists a little, even though we're doing a great job, like moving forward. And I am like really trying to be a part of changing that in terms of with young stylists coming up and 
how we operate and how I lead my team and students and people that I work with. But I think there's still a little bit of work to do. Like I saw two posts this week that I commented on and said, people don't punch down, like take the high road, you know? And it was like calling out another salon owner and the other one was calling out a, a stylist. And I thought, oh, come on, you know, come on. advice do, do you have for yourself? So, you know, this version, 17 years in Lexi, to give to Lexi who started 17 years ago with all the, the dreams and ideas. Oh gosh, probably write more stuff down and save more money. <laughs> you wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I usually ask that question and a lot of people say, talk about the saving money and being, and, and thinking about that because when you're younger, you don't think about it, but when we just have access to so oh, yeah, much exactly. revenue <laughs> without like having to work that hard for it. Like it is hard work. I'm not saying what we do is not hard, but like if you started a job as a newbie, you would have to wait years before you could make the money that we make relatively quickly. And so that was, a. Uh, I wasn't wise enough for the level of income that I was creating. And I swiftly learned some hard lessons. <laughs> <laughs> And this is, I think, just I like to ask fun questions, too. What is your favorite decade in terms of the look, the hair, the makeup, the clothes, the fashion, the the aesthetic, the feel, the whatever? Oh, man, all of them. But <laughs> OK, so I kind of this is like it, it hasn't happened yet, but I love like futuristic stuff like I like wonky like I, I love the, and I know it's not a decade, but I love like the Coachella, like wacky, like space buns, glitter. Like I think that stuff is so fun. And so I, I really like that. But in terms of like a decade, I would say like the forties because like you had to, like all of those women could school us on how we do hair. Like they could make perfect waves of victory rolls, like all of that stuff. And and even and it lasted like it's <laughs> imagine flat ironing your hair with a freaking iron that you had to heat up in something weird like and you'd burn yourself like these women were true artists and when i think of like what being a great hairdresser means to me it's controlling the hair and and as much as like i love a messy updo and like that's my mo that's not like I mean, sometimes it's true art, but like for the most part, like not everybody could do that 40s thing. And so I think that that like that craft and attention to detail and all of that, like and the fashion, everything was very, you know, the new look. And I, I just to me, I think that, and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have that anymore because we're all like, I don't know, in my ripped jeans and my sweatshirt. And it makes you feel like all put together. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that probably those those women, like when they did that, like that probably was very influential in like us being able to have our jobs. You know, like that elevation and all of that that and, and I and I'm sure that that I mean, I think what like even Cleopatra loved beauty. So like it's not like just in the 40s or something, but um I think, I think that it's, it probably gave them such confidence and all of that, that, and that's not really that long ago. So like those ideals and things have been passed down generationally and are affecting us still today, I think. And, um, 
even as casual as we are, I just think that that's kind of a cool part of history to look at beauty. For sure. My grandma was um, in her 20s at that time, and we have some photos from that. And it, it's, I mean, she had the victory rolls, the suits that were completely tailored. My grandfather always, you know, they had the hats and they went out and it was, it was just a beautiful look, a beautiful aesthetic. So any final thoughts, parting wisdom that you want to share? Oh my gosh, well, this has been so fun, Leslie. Thank you. Um, I would oh, I say keep talking if, forever. So <laughs> I, um, I love it. Um, I I think that for anybody listening, like if you're thinking, man, like I I think if you're like I want to do something in my business, or you have that nudge, or you have like some idea that that you just have been like marinating on, or something that you want to do for you, like I would say, like take some action, try it on. You know, you don't know what's going to happen, but I guarantee you, if you don't take action, that idea, that thing is going to be given to someone else. And like that has happened to me. I'm sure Leslie, like we all have experienced something like that. And it's, it was, those ideas are given to us for a reason. Like, I, I just, I don't think there's any way to avoid that. And so if, if you have an idea, if you have a nudge, like put some pencil on the paper and just try it on. See what, see where that takes you. Maybe it's not for you, but that's okay too. Like it's yours to find out. Okay, um, when I started my own business like eight years ago when I was in Michigan, but I remember, and my sister who's younger than me, but sometimes much wiser told me that, you know, she said, you're at a point where the fear of failure is much less than the sting of regret. And don't, don't let your, don't let your life have that sting of regret of not taking action and doing it and trying it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So you learn and you, you grow and you move on. Absolutely. I say fail forward. Can't fail forward. <laughs> yes. That's it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again for, for spending some time with us. So appreciate it and appreciate you and all that you give to the industry and look forward to seeing you sometime in 2023 in real life. Amazing. Thank you, Leslie. And thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.